0: All right. So last year, uh, obviously, the the sunrise gathering was three of us on the beach. <laughs> we were all in silhouette. I don't know if y'all remember that. Uh, we we were we were doing face Facebook Live kind of that way. And but this morning it was it was it was cold, but it was also beautiful. It really was. I mean, the the whole sunrise. I think it was probably one of the 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 crisper, clearer sunrises we've enjoyed um, since I've been down here. And so a uh, big crowd on the beach and, and, and Scott and Nathan, it was just a, it was a really good time to worship together out on the beach. And so God just blessed. And, you know, I, I, I still reflect back to the uh, gospel passages where the ladies were on their way to, to reanoint the body. And they were, they were talking about a rock. Now who's going to move the stone? And, and when they got there, the stone was moved. Right, and so uh, the almost the surprise of that—you know—you've been hanging out with Jesus for three years. Uh, you you've seen him do miraculous things. You you expect something more than just a, a a sort of darkened death on the cross. And so they wait after Sabbath, obviously, and they go back the the morning of the first day and just expecting him to be in the grave and dead just like everybody else. I mean, think about it. I can't tell you in 40 years how many funerals I've done. Never went back to a graveyard anywhere and went, I want to see if they're still there. (laughs) Never happened in 40 years, okay? Right? Well, that's what they were doing. They were going back to the tomb where he'd been laid. Um, Y'all... This morning I'm going to be sharing with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to bounce, I mean I gave the uh, translation I gave and that's what will appear on the screen. I'm going to bounce off of some of the CSB translation also. But here's what I want you to know. I'm going to to talk really about reinforcement this morning. Do you know Paul preached the same gospel over and over and over again in town town after town after town after town? You know, he didn't change it up. He didn't go, okay, we're in in this town today. We're going to change it up a little bit today. No, it's the same gospel over and over and over again. It's the same message of God's grace and mercy over and over and over again, right? Now, let's talk about reinforcement a minute. There, there is what I learned in psychology somewhere once upon a time. Uh, there's a thing called positive reinforcement. Now, we like that one, Okay. Positive reinforcement. That's when you do something good and you're complimented or encouraged or rewarded for doing good. It's like, okay, I I cleaned my room and I got paid. I think next time I need money, I'll clean my room again, right? Right? Okay. Uh, The other kind of reinforcement is like when they, uh, and and y'all know where I'm going on this because this is, I, I, I preach about this all the time. You know, they put those signs up on the sides of the road that say 55. You know, they're telling you something there. And if you don't get it the first time, they will reinforce it. (laughs) I'm just letting you in on that. Today's passage is really reinforcement. Matter of fact, the translation says this. Now, I would remind you Brothers of the gospel I preached to you. I want to remind you, I preached it to you. I didn't change it. It's the same when Jesus preached it to where I preached it. Now Jesus told us he was going to raise back up in three days. We didn't understand it. We didn't get it. He gave us some bread and some wine there at that last Passover meal and still we didn't get it. And and Paul gets a miraculously transformed on the road to Damascus and and he starts preaching the gospel and he goes all over the Roman Empire at that time preaching the gospel and and now in this letter to the Corinthians he says I would remind you how many times do you need to be reminded of something you know what I've noticed as I get older lots can I just go ahead and say that I I, I need to be reminded right Uh, as a matter of fact uh, that has become, I think, probably number one on my wife's to-do list, is to remind me of things. Right? She, she, I'll get a text from her. <laughs> It'll say, and she does it so, let's say, graciously. Right? <laughs> like, um, um, like, like, Eli had a volleyball game the other night. Remember? Right? Had a volleyball game the other night. He took the wrong jersey she tells me very early in the day when you come to meet me at work make sure you bring Eli's white soccer jersey now we know the difference between soccer and volleyball but anyhow um so as I'm backing out of the driveway to go meet her at work this is the way she words it in a text were you able to find Eli's soccer jersey Man, I'm slamming on brakes, I'm jumping out of the truck, I'm running in the house, I'm digging through Eli's closet trying to find the. A... Yes, I got it! Why, yes, I was able to find Eli. Because <laughs> I'd have been in Sneeds Ferry with no soccer jersey, I promise you that. Right? Remind... It's a reinforcement. Well, that's what Paul's doing right here. He says, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you which you received you received the good news of the gospel and good news gospel all that's going to play into this today uh, and by which i right, say so in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word i preached to you unless you believed in vain now he's speaking about a, a the, the the parable of the sower where jesus said you know some people are just coming for fish sandwiches you know, some people are just coming because there's a, a, a an event, right? Now, Paul is relating that, that resurrection appearances that took place, you know, with all the disciples and disciples, meaning everybody that was following to over 500 people at some point. Jesus appeared to over 500 people and that his appearance on the Damascus Road wasn't some fluke. It was a resurrection appearance to him. That, that Jesus appeared to Paul, Saul, changed his name or, you know, all that sort of thing. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Now, oh, this sounds like sibling rivalry. I told you I took some psychology once upon a time. Paul's going, I worked harder than all the other of them, you know. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Now, I'm going to get to that in just a minute, what he's actually saying there. He's not being yeah, Everybody knows what yang yeah means? Just checking, okay. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Do you ever... Nobody picks up a new newspaper anymore, but if you do, then you're probably older than I am. Do um, you ever pick up the news looking for good news? Do you ever watch a, a news report, a newscast, looking or even expecting somehow good news? Do you turn it on and go, click, tell me something good? You know, I mean... It's hate that you would be disappointed, but guess what? If you turn on the news to get good news, you're probably going to be disappointed. So when we consider the good news, because gospel is is kind of that understanding of good news, A lot of people say that's the definition of gospel. Good news. Jesus came preaching. Now understand this. This goes back to gospels, the four gospels in scripture. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. The gospel of God is what Mark says. The good news of God. What is the good news? I mean, if, if we gather this morning to celebrate Easter and you knew what you were getting into, you already know the good news. You already got it. Guess what I'm doing? Reinforcing it. Okay? So so how is it that we remember the good news that uh, there, there's a couple of themes that have been going on over the last couple of weeks. Last week I was talking about creating memories and that the Lord's Supper, uh, traditions that, that you may have grown up in, a Eucharist, communion, whatever it is, We know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is is that every time, remember Jesus. Remember. And so last week what I asked you to do was remember when you got saved. Remember your salvation experience. Maybe you're one of those people you know the day, date, and time. Maybe you're one of those folks that God just sort of gradually just drew you to Him. To the point where maybe like i like am I'm gonna use Amanda, you just driving down on the side of the road, and God said, "Stop right there," right? You see what I mean? So 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 this this good news when you you recognized it as good news that Jesus died for you, that 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 God had a plan and a purpose to love you, and to show you his love before you ever even knew anything about it. See, because prior to this good news, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a spiritual condition that you might be aware of or you might not be aware of. You might be like me. Man, I grew up in a Baptist home. Huh. I say it was Baptist because it was. My grandfather on my mom's side had been a Baptist preacher. Uh... My granddaddy on my daddy's side was a deacon in a Baptist church and sat on the back row of the choir and made faces at me when I misbehaved. Uh, my daddy had had later had, had been a Baptist pastor, right? So, so I was almost just birthed into it, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people think, that, that, oh, I just got birthed into the faith. Well, what the Bible says is you got to be rebirthed into it, Okay you got to be born again, is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. The idea is is that I I acknowledge that in me there is an emptiness. There there is a brokenness. There is a a want for something. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you what the result of the emptiness and the want for something is, is that that is essentially being lost, not in fellowship with God okay so what is the good news the good news is that god loved you in your emptiness brokenness fallenness sinfulness rebellion god loved you sent jesus right jesus born in a manger boy we like those pictures right Uh, he lived uh, approximately 30 years started a, a public earthly ministry uh had uh Essentially, 12 close followers, uh, thousands at some points, you know, following, listening, paying attention to what it was he was teaching about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Because you'll notice parable, parable statements, the kingdom of heaven is like, see, so, so, so Jesus came preaching the gospel of God, the good news of God, that guess what? I, Jesus is basically saying to them 2,000 years ago and you today, I am here because I love you. In your brokenness, in your rebellion, in your sin, I love you. Folks, that's good news. That's really good news. You know, we live in a world where love becomes conditional. You know, we actually live in a world where people question love because of maybe their own behavior. You know, I mean, I I was a youth pastor for 14 years. There were young people who knew their parents loved them as long as they were good. But would come to their youth pastor and question their parents' love when they somehow fell out of favor, right? God says, I love you no matter what. That's good news. In the gospel, now this is is the passage of scripture where Paul gives basically the definition of the gospel. For I delivered to you as, this is verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here it is in a nutshell that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on a third day in accordance with Scripture. That, simply put, is the gospel. That's the good news. God planned, willed, and perfected a, a, a redemption statement for us. That's the gospel, right? Now, you know, it, it's funny how in um, secular phraseology, semantics as such, we like to use churchy words. For instance, let's 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 do something very revelatory this morning. How many of you always drive the speed limit? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you, Sherry, and and, and <laughs> no, James. See, there were not so many hands that went up. Some people drive the speed limit religiously. In the left, what? No, I shouldn't say that. I am revealing a pet peeve there. But there are some people who drive the speed limit religiously, right? And we use that word religiously because it's something you stick to. It's something that you abide by. It's something that that you would never turn from, right? It becomes religion to them to drive the speed limit. I don't know many of them, just so you know. Here's another one. When you say something, or you hear people who say something that they want it to be (laughs) definitively counted on, they'll say something like, well, that's the gospel truth. Right? Right? Let's talk sports a minute. The best team in the country, college football. Decidedly, people would say Alabama. (laughs) Obviously, I wouldn't, but James over there would go, it's a gospel truth. <laughs> huh? Roll Tide, see? Eh? But you see, we, we want to reinforce something that we say by 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 sort of uh, accommodating, uh, using this word gospel to give it meaning and depth and, and, uh, Right? So that's gospel truth. Really? Hmm. So, so when we think about the gospel, what is the gospel? It goes back to what theologians the, call the evangelion or the euangelion from Genesis 3, where God said in the curse, I will crush Satan's head. With the heel of my son, seed of Eve. So it says that's the first statement of gospel truth right there, all the way back in Genesis. Some people want to believe it, some people don't, but God was, to use literary terminology, foreshadowing, right? He was pointing to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ because it is in that gospel that Satan is, was, and always will be defeated. Woo! Okay, y'all supposed to do that after me? I know it's 810 and, and you're looking for that second cup of coffee, but that's good news and that's the gospel truth. Okay? See, Satan has been defeated. So the third, and, and here you go. I, 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 as I was studying this week, I started thinking, all right, Abraham, right? All right. Well, first of all, Adam and Eve, that's, God said, hey, here you go. Abraham. God says, Abraham, leave your family. Go where I'm going to tell you to go. Um, so, so when you look at this sort of trajectory, Hundreds of years, thousands actually of years from God, Adam and Eve, God and Abraham, uh, God and Moses, right? Uh, God and David and Solomon and the building of the temple, hundreds of years between these things. I mean, you know what? Last year about this time, we were told we couldn't be around each other. I'm tired of it already. I don't want it to last any longer than it is. I don't want it to last as long as it has lasted. What if I had to wait 400, 800, 1,200, 60? God said I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to defeat the adversary. And i got to wait generations. Right? See, we've got to remember that God, for God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. You see? So God is at work in all of it. God God transcends time. I feel like I'm getting old. Right? <laughs> and, and some of our senior adults in the gathering go, oh, you're still just a baby. I go, yeah, because you're ancient. No, I don't say that. I really don't. I, I don't say that. But think about it. 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. You know, I, I like telling this story because it's one of the funniest things that happened sort of um, impromptu in a church office. We had a secretary. Her name was Joy. How many of y'all remember this story? She, it was her 35th birthday, right? She was 35. She was stressing over it, right? She had two kids and a husband. And so I walked in. And she said, yep. She said, and we all knew it was her birthday. She said, I'm 35 today. I said, oh, you're middle age. She said, no, I'm not. She bowed up at me. No, I'm not. I said, Sure you are. She said, Uh uh-uh, uh, middle age is 50. I said, No, the Bible says three score and 10. That's 70. That is sort of the anticipated look for this lifespan. That makes 35 dead on middle. She said, Uh uh-uh, uh, it's 50. Me being me, and I've been this way a very long time. I said to her, I said, really? How many hundred-year-olds do you know? Right? I mean, we might know one or a couple. But a hundred is not the average, y'all. Right? So God's been working from creation all the way through today to say to you, I love you. That is good news. That is gospel truth. And that is grace. Grace, and and, and this is just one of the definitions that I... Love and mercy given to us by God because He wanted us to have it. He wanted you to have it. It is an attribute of God. It's not something he picked up along the way. It, it, it's not something that he says, okay, well, I'm going to exercise a little grace today, but not tomorrow. It, it is a component of who he is that is most perfectly manifested in salvation. He loved you and me enough to die in our place. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about this gospel. And here's what he says, and this is what I want to touch on before. We live in a world, now, I don't expect it in this room. I mean, it's Easter Sunday. Love it that you're here, you know. I've often joked about Easter Sunday in attendance. I won't pick on you today. But here's what I want you to know. You see, Paul is reminding them that, guess what? There are people around you that don't believe. There are people around you that don't know this love, that don't know this grace. There are people around you that doubt. Even in, in the first century, even by the mid-first century when Paul's writing this, there are people that, that I'm talking to in Corinth and Ephesus and, 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 and Thessalonica, they don't even believe that a Jesus even existed. And this is what he says to that. He says, he was raised on the third day, according with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that was Peter, he appeared to all 12 minus the one guy, right? Uh, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. He appeared to 500. I right, said, so wait a minute. 500 that, that many of them were there when he breathed his last on Golgotha. And then he shows back up looking for fish. You see what I mean? The resurrection appearances of Christ. Shows up and and people go, whoo! Now, I shared this last year because I enjoyed the after-party messages I preached last year. You know, the body of Christ was continuing to get together after the resurrection. Many in hiding... Now, it wasn't like promotion. You know, they didn't post it on Facebook. Everybody show up for, for worship today because Jesus will be there. They didn't know. They showed up to worship and Jesus shows up. Can I tell you something? I love My brother over there said, you know what? When we gather for worship, Jesus shows up by his spirit. He fills us calls us to celebrate his love for us. He showed up among 500 brothers, most of whom are still alive. You know why he said, Though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Most of the 500 are still around. You know why he says that to the Corinthian church? You don't believe what I'm saying? There's a bunch of them you can go ask that saw him. Now, let me finish this passage before I tell you the point of that. Then he appeared to James, his own brother. Then he appeared to all the apostles again. Last of all, he appeared to me as to one untimely born. Now, the CSB translation of this starts this whole passage out with this this translation. And like I say, translation is kind of an art form, not an exact science. Well, this is what it says. Now I want to make clear. See, this is probably HCSB, but it says, now I would remind you. This one says, I want to make clear to you the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved. See? Make clear. There are people around you Maybe in your own home that don't believe. Matter of fact, they might think you're a little crazy for believing. They might think that that Jesus, oh, He's a crutch for the weak. They might think, that's just mythology. That's early, you know, faith. That's just, you know, all the religions in all the world, that's just one of them. You know what makes a difference? What makes a difference? You ready? He appeared to you. It's your testimony. It's your salvation. It's your redemption. It is the story of how God changed who you are by the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. If you haven't received that salvation, that redemption, can I just tell you, more than you need lunch, more than you need whatever you can list right now, you need Jesus If you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. And one of my greatest joys in being a pastor is, is is God's allowed me to introduce people to Jesus. See that? But but you get to introduce people to Jesus. You're going to leave here. You're going to be standing in line somewhere. You know, think. Let God reveal how you can reveal Jesus. See, that's good news for the world, not just for us. God never meant for us to go, oh, thank you, <laughs> stick it in our pocket. and He meant for us to share it. Pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you that there is a hope in an empty tomb. God, I thank you that there is good news in the plan and purpose and Work of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for salvation. I thank you, God, for for redemption. God, I thank you that, that it's an exciting thing to walk with. I get to hang out with the creator of the universe. God, thank you for meeting me every morning. For conversation. For fellowship. God, thank you that we celebrate the resurrection Not just one day out of the year. God, we celebrate the victory of the resurrection every single day that we breathe. So God, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, God, we want them to know Jesus. We want to introduce them. God, maybe they've got some some sort of other gospel, as Paul talks about in other places. Maybe what they've got is church, or churchianity, or religiosity. Maybe they've got some kind of denomination. Maybe they got something. But God, they don't know Jesus. God, we want folks to know Jesus. The other stuff is just just the way we celebrate. So God, this morning as we sing, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus more than anything else today, we want them to know Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.